Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Great Obsession Podcast. We are Riley and Sam, and we're so excited to be talking about Olivia Rodrigo's guts today. I'm Riley, and I'm drinking an Arnold Palmer. Oh, I can never say this goddamn drink. <laughs> Arnold Palmer today. <laughs> oh, wow, that was great. You had it. It was like the whole thing was so... Like you had it down perfect. I and had it. Was it. Like great execution. Then you're like, oh, no, no, <laughs> The amount of times that I've tried to order an Arnold Palmer at a restaurant and like failed, I've started just being like, can I get half sweet tea, half lemonade? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, an, Ar- an Arnold Palmer. And I'm like, yeah, but I can't, I can't say that. <laughs> That's so funny. I've never heard that. Thank somebody you for saying what that. I cannot. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like the. <laughs> It's Arnold like your is a hard name to say. <laughs> Arnold. And see maybe <laughs> Arnold. <laughs> Try it. Okay, say How do you say, say it? Arnold Palmer five times fast. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm nervous. Let me just say Arnold normal. Arnold Palmer, okay. Arnold Palmer, Arnold Palmer, Arnold Palmer, Arnold Palmer. You're right. It does get hard. <laughs> Arnold Palmer. <laughs> laughing so hard about this it's the amount of times that i have messed that up in public is so embarrassing <laughs> anyways what are you drinking <laughs> um i am drinking a uh hot hazelnut latte it really Ooh. you know when you like get a coffee or really i guess any drink and you take that first sip and it's like transcendent like you're like yes your soul is like, wow, we have found peace. Um, that's how I felt yes. when I took a sip of this earlier. I was like, wow, this is this is sublime. Wow, I love that for you. That is truly the best feeling. And I had that recently when I got my first PSL of the of the fall at Starbucks. I just took a sip and was like, oh, like it just is, yeah, transcendent. Good stuff. Uh, definitely feeling the fall vibes, even though it's actually like 90 degrees outside. I hate that for you. I really, really do. <laughs> anyway, before we start talking about the weather, because we've done that a hundred times in every other episode, let's um, <laughs> discuss this album. So when this episode's coming out... Wait, have, have you oh, even announced what we're talking about yet? Yeah, I think I said at the very beginning... Oh, Before I messed up and couldn't say Arnold Palmer. Okay, okay <laughs> We're so okay. excited to be talking about Guts by Olivia Rodrigo. In case I didn't, maybe I'll like edit this back in and then gaslight you into thinking that I said it all along. <laughs> We're so excited to be talking about Guts by Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're talking about. In case no one saw the title... Okay. That's what we're talking about. And it came out when this episode comes out, it's it's been like two or like two a weeks. week and a half, two weeks yeah. since the album dropped. So we've had a little bit of time to kind of listen and I've been, I don't know, like kind of keeping an eye on like the online discourse and engaging with this album. So this is gonna be kind of our initial review. And um, thoughts on on this album and, and what it has to say. Um, mm-hmm. I 
maybe don't stand by everything that I say because my opinions on music changes literally every single day. Yeah. This is what we think right now, a couple weeks after the album came out. Um I have so much to say that I like don't even know where to start. <laughs> um so initial impressions did it live up to your expectations was it a disappointment are you listening to it on repeat where you at um yes to all of those things however there's like something a little off about it and this is what you and I are gonna have to get into because here's the thing this I had really high expectations for this album and I really, like, was hoping it was going to be better than Sour and that she was going to lean into, like, the kind of pop punk side that we heard a little bit on Sour in, like, Brutal and Good For You. Mm-hmm. And she did that. So mm-hmm. I really feel like she met my expectations there. I feel like this is an album full of bangers. Mm-hmm. And um, I think she really improved upon her sound and her craft. And I, it has been on repeat. I have been listening to it on repeat. However, it's a pretty short album. So actually, like, I'll listen to it a few times and then it's like, okay, I have to listen to something else. Otherwise, I'm going to get sick of these songs because they're all super short. So there's that aspect. And then it's just like emotionally, despite it having great sound, it just like emotionally doesn't hit for me the same way Sour did. And I think we'll mm-hmm. kind of get into that as we start discussing the track list. But um, I know you and I talked before about how you were having the same issue with it, not really connecting emotionally, but have you been having it on repeat? Do you feel like it met your expectations? So I would agree. Um, it met my expectations. I also wanted my favorite things about Sour were, uh, the pop punk sound. I think the sound is a lot better. She leans into that pop punk. The lyrics are funny quippy they're not like i said not super long songs and so mm-hmm. sometimes i think lyrically that can detract a little bit just because there's not as much space but mm-hmm. i think from a i don't know i guess i'm gonna say like almost like an aesthetic perspective this album cha- checks all the boxes i like the sound i like the vibe i like the lyrics but yeah, I also really do not emotionally connect with this album. This album also, I think, maybe was supposed to be maybe like a back-to-school album. I think mm-hmm. the time, this to me, is not my fall vibe. Um, mm-hmm. So the music that I'm listening to right now is much more like acoustic folk pop i'm not listening to pop punk this album will come Mm -hmm. back to me and be on repeat in like the summer of 2024 or something yeah but not right now so i have not been listening to it on repeat i've listened to it a few times um i've had some songs come up while i was like driving and it's like oh this is like a fun little like fun to drive to kind of thing but Mm -hmm. not on repeat it's just not it's just like not matching my current personal vibe. Not because it's bad. It's just not. No, I know what you mean. Cause you're like really getting into your fall vibe right now. Mm-hmm. I've been putting this on every time I get in the car. Cause I feel like it's just a really great car album. Like it's like mm-hmm. headbangers and yeah. upbeat and fun and fast, like fun to dance to in the car. So 
that's how I've been enjoying it. And then I've found that the songs are so catchy. Like the I've had a yeah. new song stuck in my head on repeat every single day. Yes, they are super catchy. And I think part of my hesitancy with this album is that it's like catchy song after catchy song and it starts to blend together for me I have a little bit Mm. of difficulty like lyrically they sound pretty different if you're really listening to the lyrics but sound wise a lot of them sort of blend in my mind um and that's also a little bit of a struggle for me yeah no that makes sense it took several lessons for me to start being able to kind of differentiate some of the songs. Um, and I do think that there are a couple of skips on here. Yeah. Um, so we'll get into that, but I think when I compare this to sour in my head, it's, it's like a continuation of sour for me. It's not a departure. I think she just essentially continued the same um, line of discussion that she had started with Sour and kind of was exploring the same emotions, but whereas Sour is like a really sad, depressed teenage girl crying on her floor album, this is like a rage album. And maybe mm-hmm. that's why it's just not quite as relatable to both of us. Because, um, I mean, we all feel rage sometimes, but, <laughs> but I, not quite I've to never... this degree. Yeah, I think... For me personally, because so much of this album is like very direct rage towards a person. It's not rage against a Mm -hmm. system. It's not rage against society. It's a person. And that to me is really unrelatable. That's not to say that it's not super relatable for other people. But like my personality just generally anger is like not one of my like higher emotions if you will, but sadness is. So it's like, I think that's why Sour maybe hit a little bit more and Sour definitely sounded more raw. And we were sort of Mm -hmm. talking about this before we started recording, that there's something about Sour that feels like she's using the album to process her emotions in real time versus Mm -hmm. Guts. It feels like she's already processed everything and she's really curating and thinking about what she wants to say and what points she wants to make, which I think from an artistry perspective makes a lot of sense. I think that that logic checks out for me, but from Mm -hmm. an emotional perspective, the album just falls a little flat. Yes. And I think also sour just sounded a lot less polished. So like you're saying, Mm -hmm. it was like a lot more raw, which I think makes I'm not quite sure how to articulate this but I feel like sour as an album is when I listen to it I don't really skip anything however a lot of the songs on sour don't have any replay value for me outside the album like the only songs from sour that I actually had on my playlists were the three singles driver's license good for you and deja vu but like like I'm never gonna be like oh I really want to listen to favorite crime Those songs, like, they, it's like they belong in that album and only in that album. Whereas I Mm -hmm. think Guts is much more polished and has better songs um, that are, that have a lot more hit potential. But as an album, it doesn't quite hit as much. 
as Sour did. It's like the difference between folklore and Evermore. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah, I would agree because it does feel like Sour is maybe trying to tell more of a story and like take us on a bit more of a journey, if you will. And even mm-hmm. and in doing so, some of the songs really only exist within the album and I'm not going to listen to them separately versus mm-hmm. Guts is trying to do something much different. I'm not exactly sure what it's trying to do, but it is different. Yeah, it is different. Let's maybe start talking about the track list yeah. so we can kind of get into specific feelings about these songs. Um, and maybe that'll kind of help us articulate what we're trying to get out here. So the album starts out with All American Bitch. Yes. Banger of the century, in my opinion. I love this song. Yes, I really enjoy how this song starts out in almost like, it's like very melodic and soft and like pretty and then it like turns into a banger which aligns with like the lyrics of the song i also Mm -hmm. think it's a stellar first track on a second album like i think Mm -hmm. it it says so much in one song to have this like as her first song of the sophomore album to be like all right well this is what you thought i was and this is me trying to live up to that but here's who i really am kind of thing and that's i think that i think the placement of the song was very clever yeah i agree and i saw um in in one of olivia's interviews because i have been reading her like all her magazine interviews that have been published about this album um Mm -hmm. and she said in one of them someone asked her what her favorite track was on the album and she said it's all american bitch because she said she felt like with this song, she was able to capture something that she's been trying to say for a long time. And like, oh. she feels like she finally articulated it in this song. Mm-hmm. And I think she did that so well through that kind of juxtaposition she's created of like these melodic verses where like she's like kind of singing so sweetly and has a smile in her voice. And then it just goes into like a rage fest in the chorus And then Mm -hmm. she switches back again and she's switching back and forth the whole time, Mm -hmm. which I think is so clever and definitely surpassed my expectations. The first time I listened to this, I was pretty blown away. I was like, wow, I'm really seeing the vision. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this album really, or excuse me, this first track really shows that she was coming into this album for like the artistry like she really wanted to Mm -hmm. think about and create and kind of like we said earlier curate a very specific sort of narrative and yeah I think from an artistry perspective it's very effective in this song and it is a banger and it's the lyrics are clever and yeah I I was pleased on first listen I think one of the strongest parts of this album for me is the the lyrics. I think she has a lot of really clever just zingers and one-liners. Mm-hmm. And she also is leaning into this kind of talk singing cadence with her voice that reminds me a lot of Kesha, actually. Oh. And, um, and this song has a little bit of that. I just, mm-hmm. I feel like I... There are a lot of lines that really give a mission statement for the album. Like, I know my place and this is it. I know my age and I act like it. I just mm-hmm. think this is so well done. And then the the part at the end, 
where she goes all the time. I'm grateful all the time. That has been stuck in my head for days. Just that like last part. It's like so catchy. And I saw a video of her. There's a video going around online of her performing this song live. And she Mm -hmm. like kind of does this robotic swinging back and forth while she's singing that part of the song. Oh, I like that. Is so perfect to me. Yeah, it's like I, I saw that performance and again was like, wow, I'm seeing the vision. I'm seeing the vision. Um, and then along with that vision, we go straight into bad idea, right? Which is, I think, so funny because I just think the song is so funny. And coming off of yes. all the clever lines in All American Bitch, I, I feel like they really fit well together. I like the placement. I- Yes, I like the pay- placement too. Um, I think it really this, this it's just I really like Bad Idea, right? Um it is one of those songs that gets pretty repetitive pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you listen to it as part of the album, it sort of feels like that repetitiveness serves more of a purpose. When you listen mm-hmm. to it on its own, you're a little bit like, okay, I can't like I can't just listen to this song. I need to be, like, getting ready or driving or something because it's Mm -hmm. getting to be a bit too much. Um, But I think All American Bitch does so much lyrically and is, like you said, it's juxtaposing, oh, what she's supposed to be versus what she is. And then Bad Idea Right is her being like I know what I'm supposed to do but I'm actually going to do what I want to do which is like a yeah, very that's so true. similar like twist and I think that that's uh, entertaining to me also the fact that she's like the she just goes like blah 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 like a thousand times in this song yeah um, I think is also really entertaining to me the song is hilarious to me. I think it's so funny. It's funny and it's clever. Yeah. I really love that she leaned into kind of this funny, clever side that, again, reminds me a lot of some early Kesha. Like, have you ever heard Grow a Pear by Kesha? I have not. <laughs> okay. It's this It's this song from, like, one of her first albums that's just so insane. And she's she's doing a lot of what Olivia's doing here, which is saying lines like, I know I've seen much hotter men, but I really can't remember when. Like, she's just kind of speaking in this, this almost like airheaded, girly uh, Mm -hmm. cadence that, I don't know, that girls would kind of, that makes you think of like a girl in a a coming of age movie and it's super Mm -hmm. unserious. And I also just think, God, when I look at you, my brain goes, ah, (laughs) It's so yeah. funny and relatable. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, anyway, I feel like I just said a lot of things that didn't make sense, which I suppose goes along with this song where she's yeah. just saying a lot of things that don't really make sense. Um, but I love yeah, this, this one. This is her big nonsense song, um, but I yes. enjoy it. It's very unserious. I think, I think it's kind of... I, I do want to just say... I think it's kind of an odd choice for her second single because I don't think it is catchy, but I don't think it plays super well on its own. Like 
Like, I think if I hear I it on the radio enough, I'm going to switch the radio when it comes on because it's too repetitive. So I think I there, were, there are other songs on this album that I would have chosen as a second single. Yeah, I wonder if she was just trying to, like, save the best for last, you know, like not give away too much of the album by putting this one out as a single. Mm. Or maybe she oh, was just really leaning into, like, the unseriousness of it all and being like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to put this one out. I yeah. But, uh, yeah, I agree. Because when I heard this one, before I had heard the album, I listened to this and was like, hmm, okay. Yeah. I was a little, I didn't, um, I was underwhelmed and a little concerned about the album. I was like, ugh. Yeah. Is this going to be, too. like, a, a snooze? Me too. But no, I actually feel like within the context of this album, this song fits perfectly. And I think it's so funny. But that does bring us to her first single off the album, which is Vampire. Yes. I, for one, think this song stands so well on its own outside of the album. Mm -hmm. And two, now that I've listened to the whole album, I still think Vampire is one of the best songs. Agreed. Because I think it, it does what Olivia does really well which is build a song like she mm-hmm. knows how to build up to like a big moment in the br- like driver's license the whole reason everyone loves driver's license so much is because it starts out as th- this ballad and then it slowly builds until it just goes all the way off in the bridge and i mm-hmm. think vampire does that exact same thing and it's just masterfully done great song her vocals are so amazing on this song so emotive, yeah. so strong. I, yeah, I don't, I don't have too much to say about this song other than I love it. No, yeah, any specific I thoughts? Um, nothing super specific. I agree. I think it's the best, best one on the album. But yeah, no specific songs or comments, ex- unless you want to talk thoughts. about the the Taylor Swift drama. Uh. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like we'll also have to talk about that when we talk about The Grudge. Um, uh, yeah. We can wait if you want to talk I, about it there. Yeah, well, here's, here's let me give you a sneak peek. Not everything has to be about Taylor Swift. And I concur. All I have to say about that. Especially because more songs on this album sort of contribute to this, like, fact that she's raging against one person. Like, she really feels like someone wronged her. Mm-hmm. And um, and I don't think it's Taylor Swift. <laughs> okay, the next song kind of derails us a little bit. Yes. And I don't know really what to even make of this song. So next song is Lacey. Yeah, so and... when I first listened to this album, I listened to it straight through, in order, and Lacey comes on and... I just kept waiting for it to, like, take that pop-punk turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, like, a very jarring song. It The placement of it doesn't make, like, a ton of sense. I, like, also... It, it feels like, in this album, I know where I'm going. Like, I feel like I'm on this track where I know what she's talking about or alluding to i know what i'm supposed to be taking away from each song except for this one this one i get here and i'm like wait what am i supposed to take away from this what are you trying to tell me what is the like how does this fit into the broader narrative of what's being sung and i just i don't know 
I still don't know. Yeah. I I don't I don't know what to make of this either. And I wonder if that if she did that on purpose. Like if she's trying to kind of just throw a wrench in there and confuse everyone. Because I I just feel like this is a song where only she knows what it means. And the rest of us just kind of have to, (laughs) I don't know, speculate. Like, I'm seeing so many different conversations about this song online. I've seen people saying that it's sapphic. And they're like, oh, okay, does this song mean Mm -hmm. Olivia's coming out? I'm seeing other people uh, speculate that this song is about cocaine. Because she says angel dust in one of the lines. Uh, some other people are saying that this song could be about Olivia's relationship with, like, the, like, the, the ideal woman, Mm -hmm. like, the feminine ideal, and how she's interacting with that, which, that one maybe makes the most sense to me. Um, other people are comparing it to the song Obsessed, which is the one I sent Mm -hmm. you before this. Um, which is a like a bonus track on some of the vinyls where Olivia talks about being obsessed with someone with her boyfriend's ex and saying that it's about that feeling of like when you're so obsessed with a girl that you're comparing yourself to that you start to mm-hmm. wonder like do I want to be her or do I want her and so these are these are all the different things I'm seeing and I and I don't know what to make of it I feel like it could be any of those yeah I think you're right I think it's not clear and it's probably not meant to be super clear I will say I find this song to be like pretty creepy um yeah it's kind of sinister yeah I don't really like listening to it because there's something about it that feels I don't know. It gives me like the heebie-jeebies a little bit. Uh, I do think it, once I listened to Obsessed, because you, Riley had just sent that to me before we started recording. I hadn't heard it previously. I think if Obsessed was on this album and this song came after it or something like that, everything would be much more clear. And I think that that Mm -hmm. would work nicely together. Um, because we do see Olivia on guts or on sour as well has jealousy jealousy which is kind of a very mm-hmm. similar vibe of you know she's seeing other people and the, she's seeing like these um idealized you know types of beauty and personality and even in all american bitch there's this there's a similar sort of theme of what yeah. she sort of society tells her she should be what she wants to be and she's obsessed with that and she's obsessed with the fact that she can never attain it and i think Mm -hmm. that thinking about this song in that context to me is the most interesting um it makes it compelling yeah yeah i think it's an interesting song that right that like walks like you said that fine line between Am I obsessed with her because I want to be with her? I, or, wait, did I say that wrong? I'm obsessed with her because I want to be her or I, am I obsessed with her because I want to be with her? I think is a mm-hmm. very interesting dynamic. It just kind of comes out of the blue in the album. 
It does. And I was going to say this, like, I was going to have us talk about Obsessed after the last track, and but I'll just talk about it now and say that I wish Obsessed was on the main track list. Because I... Same. feel like it adds to the story being told. It adds some context to songs like Lacey and Pretty Isn't Pretty. And so I wish it was there. Mm-hmm. I know. When do you want to talk about Obsessed? Because I do have thoughts. Um, let's just talk about it now. We're here. Okay. So I literally listened to this song once before <laughs> we recorded. So, you know, <laughs> do with that what you will. But I listened to it and I was like, damn, this is for me one of the top songs that has yeah. come out of Guts. I cannot believe it's not on the track list. It's also, I like listened to it and I was like, oh my God, because it's painfully relatable for me. Like in the worst way, I hate that for (laughs) myself. But this idea of when you are obsessed with a significant other's ex, they're not, like your significant other has made it clear. They're not interested in their ex anymore. They don't talk anymore. They're not in love anymore. Like Mm -hmm. it's in the past and you have no Mm -hmm. reason to be concerned about it. And you're not even concerned as much as you are just obsessed with comparing yourself to that person. Mm-hmm. is the most just insidious catastrophic state of mind to be in <laughs> and i say that from experience and hearing it articulated in that song made me feel just so much less crazy because you because i did i felt like i was crazy because i knew that there was no logical reason that I mm-hmm. should be so obsessed with this girl. But I couldn't help myself. I, like, couldn't stop it. And I just felt like this song was really validating for me. I think it's great. <laughs> I can't believe it's not on the album. I know. I really wish it was on the album. Because I I kind of wonder if Olivia was, like, a little bit embarrassed of it. Because I think she's leaning into the kind of the crazy of it all. Mm-hmm. Or, like, the the um, sinister mm-hmm. <laughs> nature of that type of feeling. And maybe she just wasn't quite ready for the whole world to hear that on the album. I don't know. Cause I mean, you're only going to hear this song. It's not on streaming. It's mm-hmm. you're only going to hear it. If you're like huge really loss in the fandom, I know big loss. Um, there's actually three other like deluxe tracks as well. Um, but none of they're all like ballads obsessed is the only one that I, felt like really added to the story of the album and like is actually a banger and i wish it was there because i do think like you like we were saying it provides uh, a little bit more context as to what Lacey could be about and it's also a relatable like teenage girl feel not even teenage girl but like not young even, adult girl feeling yeah yeah i think it's i think that it and maybe this is why this album is so popular outside of just like the teen demographic since it is like clearly dealing with a lot of like teen themes so to speak Mm -hmm. but it's dealing more deeply with this sense of insecurity and feeling Mm -hmm. like you are not enough and constantly comparing yourself to others and that is deeply relatable regardless of what age you're at and I think that this out like this song just would have added so much to the album i really hope that maybe at some point 
it gets added to streaming. I hope she, like, hears the people and the people say it's fabulous at it. Like, Vampire and Obsessed should have been her two singles. That's the T. Yes. Can't so it. true. So true. I'm sure it'll get added to streaming eventually, but... <sighs> we'll we see. Um, you know what's still not on streaming? What? You're losing me, so... So true. Hits Different took like a year, so... Or no, it didn't, because Midnight's no, came yeah. out like a year ago next month. So it took like six months. When did You're Losing Me come out? In the spring? In July, because it came out when Spink Now dropped, right? Oh, that's right. Wait, no, because it came out when the... <laughs> was it that? It, yeah, it came it's... out when she played at MetLife. When did she play MetLife? Because I she... thought it came out in July because it came out on the CD and people were, like, bringing CD players to the venue because she only sold it, like, at that one... Because she hates yes. me. Uh, yes, because she sold that special edition of the Midnight CD... At the MetLife shows. The merch lines there must have been absolutely insane. After having gone to my show and then seen the merch lines in person, that I'm really, that's putting it a lot of things in perspective for me. <laughs> Those people had to have fought. Okay, it was May. May of this Damn. year was when she I was. Really yes, was because trying. it was while I was in between jobs. I remember sitting at a coffee shop while I was in between <laughs> jobs and analyzing You're Losing Me. Anyway. Anyways. <laughs> got sidetracked cut all there, that but, out. Um, where were we? Uh, yeah, so after Lacey. Oh, yeah. And we get- is... Ballad of a homeschooled girl. Homeschooled girl. Yes. This one, the first thought I had was this would have obliterated me in high school. Yes. Yes. So this was one of the songs where I listened to it and I listened to the words and I mentally was like, this should feel more emotionally impactful for me than it does because the, Mm -hmm. the content is really relatable Mm-hmm. Um, to me as a teen, but for some reason it didn't pack a ton of emotional punch for me. I had the same exact thought. I was like, I literally have been here. I have felt like this for most of my life. Why don't I relate to it more? And it, it just made me think of when you and I were talking about Foolish One in our Speak Now review mm-hmm. and you were like, this song would have been super relatable to me as a teen, but now I'm, like, a little bit too distanced from it. Yeah. And so I wonder if that's it. Because, like, I've always had social anxiety, and I still do, but, like, I know how to bounce back after, like, a yeah. cringe social interaction now. But in high school and, like, when I was a freshman in college, I was so unbelievably self-conscious and in every after every single interaction I ever had, especially because I was meeting so many new people at the time, mm-hmm. especially like in college, I would just like go into my room and have to like curl up in a ball and analyze every single moment and be like, I am the worst, most cringe, most annoying, most ugly like person on this entire planet. I can't believe anyone talks to me. And I feel mm-hmm. like this song really conveys that. <laughs> Uh, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not in that place anymore. Thankfully it gets better. 
It truly does. Yeah. So if anybody who's like, wow, no, this is deeply relatable for me right now. Believe us, it gets better. You may not get more um, socially capable. You might just be as awkward and anxious as ever, but it gets better nonetheless. You like cope with it. It gets better. better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing is you learn that like people don't care that much about you. People just don't care. Everyone's focused on themselves. So... Yeah, now it's like I can kind of just brush off if I ever make a a faux pas. But (laughs) this song really, like, I would have thought this was poetry in high school. Mm -hmm. This would have been everything to me. So I'm glad that this song exists, and I hope that girls who who feel this way um, feel a little bit less crazy. Because, like, you don't have to be homeschooled to feel this way. I think it's interesting that she called it Ballad of a Homeschooled Girl. Yeah. Because uh, that's not, like, mentioned in the song at all. No. And, I mean, kids who are homeschooled, listen. I apologize if any homeschooled kids are going to listen to this. But, <laughs> but like, homeschooled kids do. They, like, have, like, a like a vibe to them, you know, where you're like, mm-hmm. this isn't bad, but something's a little bit off. And Mm -hmm. I actually felt like this song didn't really relate to that at all. I felt I was like, nah, these are just regular social anxieties. This is not homeschool specific weirdness. No. Yeah. I was like, this is just a song about having social anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm sure that because she was homeschooled, she probably attributes it to that. Um, But you don't have to be homeschooled to feel this way. Unfortunately, I felt this way every day of my life for most of my young life. So <laughs> I just yep. think the, the, I also love that there's a, it's a mean girls reference. Like the social suicide line is, um, referencing in mean girls when they're like, you can't join the mathletes. That's social suicide. So I also think that's funny because the, this album sounds like any of the songs could be in the mean girls movie or in any of those movies from that era. That's a good point thought about that love to see it anyway i think this song is a hit i think it would stand on its own outside the album i agree i agree it's not as good as some of the other ones um what comes next oh making the bed making the bed i'm curious about your thoughts on first listen to this album this song was a standout because i i thought it was really clever how she used the the phrase making the bed and um i found this song to be so unflinchingly honest like to the Mm. point that it's almost uncomfortable to like hear her expressing these things i think because as a taylor swift fan i'm used to hearing about this kind of thing later on like Mm -hmm. like taylor released nothing new you know 10 years after the fact so we didn't know that she was how she was feeling until way later when she was already through it. Whereas Olivia is like really giving us a real time, yeah, honest update of like what she's been going through, and it's it's a really sad song. I just don't think now after I've listened to the album a few times, I've kind of started to skip it. Yes. So I was gonna say pretty much the exact same thing that I think lyrically it's one of the best on the album. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot to unpack, a lot of analyze. It's very clever. 
Um, and it's pretty deep compared to some mm-hmm. of the other tracks, but it's it's like a skip for me. Yeah, which is interesting. I don't know if it's just that, like the like the delivery isn't quite as emotive, or if it's just that it's like kind of a one. Maybe it's that it just doesn't really have a build the way mm. that some of her other songs do. Like Teenage mm-hmm. Dream, which we'll talk about in the end, is a really effective song for me because of how it builds to the very end. But this song, like, it just kind of sounds the same the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think this is, like, a a big hit. But I, I think it says a lot about, you know, how she's feeling. And it makes a lot of the rest of this album make sense. And it is really sad. Yeah. Yeah, there's actually several moments on this album where I'm like, oh, girl, this is this is really sad for you, you know? Like, I just, I, mm-hmm. I feel bad for her. And I think this album, there's something about it that sounds sort of, like, deeply internalized lonely. Mm-hmm. Like, she's, like, feels really internally isolated. That makes me kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but Making the Bed is followed up by Logical, which for me, Making the Bed and Logical are, this is like the slump of the album. This is yeah. where I sort of, for, I'm like, wait, what, what am I listening to? I like zone out a little bit, even though Logical also, I think, has got a lot of interesting things happening lyrically. Yeah, Logical, I actually don't skip. I actually quite oh. like it, and I think it's because it reminds me of some of the be- the better ballads on Sour. Like, mm. it it has a melody that gets stuck in my head. Making the Bed doesn't get stuck in my head, but... Two plus two equals five. That gets stuck in my head. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think Logical, actually, the... Like, when you actually look at the lyrics... It's not quite as clever as Making the Bed. It's not particularly, like, original or super good mm-hmm. writing. I think she's. it's just a song about, like, how when you're in love, you're not thinking logically. Like, that's not really anything new that's being said. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why it's kind of also a, a bit of a flop. I like it, though. I, I like listening to it better than I like listening to Making the Bed. Maybe it's... I think... It, maybe her voice is a little bit more emotive on logical has it has this moment in the bridge where the sad piano drops out and you suddenly just get like bass like one note of bass and she starts singing uh she starts like i don't know like singing her ass off being like Mm -hmm. you said i can't take a joke can't get you off why do i do this i look so stupid and I think that part of the song is really emotive to me because it's like the instrumental changes and then she starts saying all this stuff. So it's like, I don't know. I think the so- that song is a little bit more effective to me because of that part. Mm-hmm. But it still is not uh, not one of the best. Okay. I'm back. Um, I like this what song. What are your thoughts? The songs, <laughs> yeah, this song is like a, a no thoughts br- uh, banger for me. I think it's quite funny i think the get him back is 
kind of like a funny little play on words that she flip flops between throughout yes. the song, um, which I enjoy. And I think it's kind of relatable. I think that's this uh-huh. is another one of her songs. It's a little bit more relatable for me. Um, but yeah, I like don't have a ton of like super critical thoughts. This I think get him back to me is sort of in a similar mental space as brutal where mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, like I want to throw it on. I want to bang my head a little bit, hop around. But then when I move on to the next song, it's not like really staying with me or anything. Right. It's not particularly compelling or thought provoking, but it's yeah. a fun banger and it is clever. I do like how she kind of, you know, did this little spin on get him back versus like get revenge on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is another one where the the Kesha-esque lyrics and talk singing come into play when she's like, I want to meet his mom and tell her her son sucks. <laughs> Stuff like that is just so, it's so funny. She's just so charismatic. I I like this song for that reason. It's a really fun listen and it's really fun to sing along to. I think yes. uh, live it'll be super fun. And it was the yeah. third single. Oh, oh! I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't yeah, know there's a come music out. video for it. Oh wow! Well, so I'll have you to might watch start that. hearing it on the radio. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it was a good choice for a single. It's catchy and fun. Yeah, mm, yeah. That's... It's interesting that she chose "Get Him Back" and um, "Bad Idea," right? Yeah, <laughs> "Get Him Back" and "Bad Idea," right? Because I think they actually sound quite similar. Yeah. Yeah, I think they also are, like, kind of saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like I would so have like maybe chose songs. something from, like, a different vein for a third single. I know. I really want the next single to be the next song on the track list, which is Love is Embarrassing. I think that's my favorite one on the whole album. Really? <laughs> yeah. What are your I thoughts might... on that song? You sound okay, surprised. Okay, well, so it's interestingly because we went down, I was like looking at the track list and I saw this song and I was like, damn, I don't remember what this song sounds like. I have, like, I'm going to have to listen God to it. Don't mean a thing. God loves fucking embarrassing. Just watch as I crucify myself. There's some really fun guitars in this song that make it really fun to dance to in the car. I feel like I've never listened to this song a day in my life. Oh my gosh. You might need to listen to it literally right now. (laughs) Wait, let me pull it out. Okay, so I do remember this song. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We had to take a break so Sam could listen to it. So I think starting at track eight, get him back on to the end of the album is where the album like really took off for me. I was like, this is... I think the best mm. songs are at the end. Or at least maybe the ones that really? are most memorable to me. Yeah. 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 I could I could agree with that, except for The Grudge, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, I just think Love is Embarrassing goes off. I think the the little guitars at the beginning, the like it's yeah. it's so fun. Um and the the lyrics are funny. I yeah, I think that's 10 out of 10. I hope she makes it 
the next single because that's whenever i like put this album on shuffle i like i get in the car Mm -hmm. and love is embarrassing is the first song that i put on and then i put it on shuffle wow i love that for you i just i'd be listening to it i also love the the line hold on i'm pulling up the lyrics because i thought this was so funny um you found a new version of me and i damn near started world war three jesus what was i even doing so she I think she's referencing like World War Three. She's got to be referencing the Sabrina Carpenter, Joshua Bassett of it all, like the media frenzy that that was. And I, so I think it's funny that she's referencing that. And now she's like, what was I even doing? Because that's just so relatable. That is, I was going to say, I think that this, um, even when she like dropped the track list before the album came out, I saw that there was a song called Love is Embarrassing, and I was like, well, that's going to be incredibly relatable because there's nothing more embarrassing than being in love. Now, I will say the song (laughs) came at it from a different perspective than I was thinking it would be, um, but nonetheless, still relatable. Yeah. Yeah, I think the song, like, maybe would have been more relatable when I was a little bit younger, but it, again, has some of those just funny lyrics just watch as I crucify myself for some weird second string loser who's not worth mentioning. My God, love's embarrassing as hell. Like, that's so funny. <laughs> like She really just leaned into, like, the humor on this album. She's so petty. She's funny. Yeah, she is. <laughs> she is tearing apart these guys. I'm planning out my wedding with some guy I'm never marrying. Been there. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> yeah i love this song okay um okay that brings us next is the grudge yes so what are your thoughts on that um i think it's a skip really okay i do like this one really i think tell me more well first of all i love um a more like slower ballad situation Um, I just think that there's, like, something in it that feels relatable. I think it feels more emotive, maybe, than some of the other songs. Or, not some of the other songs, but she doesn't have very many slower songs on this album. And I think Mm -hmm. it feels a little bit more emotive than some of the slower songs. I'm not sure, because, like... Yeah, I like I really enjoy the part where she's like the arguments that I've won against you in my head in the shower in the car in the mirror before bed. Um, And I think that 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 part's relatable. I don't know. Yes. I think it builds nicely Uh, for me also like it comes to a point where I'm like like it really builds up and I'm really into it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a ton of thoughts, except that I like the way it sounds, I guess. I think you feel the way about this song that I do about Logical. Like, I'm not really sure why I like it, but it just, like, hits for some reason. Oh, that's funny. I can get behind that. But for me, this song just, like, I don't know, just falls kind of flat. Like, I forget about it. I know a lot of people really love the line, we both drew blood, but man, those cuts were never equal. I I see that one, like, Mm. all over online. And a lot of people think that the bridge 
is referencing Taylor Swift. the flowers. Because she says, your flowers filled with vitriol. You built me up to watch me fall. You have everything and you still want more. Here's the thing. The, the Swiftologist on YouTube did a really great video about this where he was basically like, songs can be composite sketches. Like, they can be about multiple things. Mm-hmm. And so maybe she, maybe she is referencing... Taylor Swift. Or maybe she's just referencing the way she was treated by a lot of celebrities in general when her career started and people were trying to profit off of her music Mm -hmm. because Taylor's not the only one who got credit for her music. Paramore also did. So, um, like, it could partially be about that. I think she does feel betrayed by that. Mm -hmm. She mentioned in an interview when asked about it, she just said something like, "Uh, you know, I was new to the industry and I was naive and I think I know my way around better now. Mm -hmm. And so like she definitely could be feeling frustration about that, but I don't think she wrote this whole song about Taylor Swift. Like I really don't No, I agree. And people who think that are delusional. I think that there's definitely potential for there to be something there, but I think that this whole song is actually probably quite a bit broader. It's hard because she starts out and she references a really specific date time situation when she was like, yeah, like that's the first true. line is I have nightmares each week about that Friday in May, one phone call from you and my entire world was changed. Trust that you betrayed confusion that still lingers. And so I think sometimes when a writer pinpoints a specific time people take that to mean everything in this song is is literal and related to this very specific event Mm -hmm. and I don't think that's necessarily true I think especially in the beginning she's talking much more about or at least to me it feels like it's much more a lover's quarrel situation and I think Mm-hmm. Later on in verse two and further down, it like starts to shift away, I think, from a lover's quarrel to maybe more of a bigger discussion of her failure to stand up for herself and like just being taken advantage of in general. So I think it like starts at this almost like micro level of her and another individual having this interaction Mm -hmm. where they crush her and she was naive about it and now she's a grudge. And then it transitions into more of like a macro conversation of society as a whole crushing Mm. her and she has a grudge about it. So I do think that it's possible that like the Taylor Swift Paramore, you know, drama is being referenced. I similarly don't think that Mm -hmm. it's, I don't think it's the whole song. And I also think that just like saying, oh, it's about Taylor Swift really overshadows the whole purpose of the song. Like, yeah. it, like honestly, in a lot of ways, I'm like, well, if it was about Taylor Swift, Olivia's trying to communicate to you that she wants, like, I don't think she wants you to focus on Taylor Swift when listening to this song. Like, that's not what she's trying to convey no. if that's the case. And so, no. I, I, yeah, I don't think it's... I don't think it's worth creating drama over. 
No, and I feel bad for her that this Taylor Swift thing has become such a thing because she was asked about it in every single interview that I read. And every time she had to, like, she was very careful Mm -hmm. in how she addressed it and, like, just kind of talked around it. So, like, there's definitely something going on there, but clearly she doesn't want to talk about it. So, like, what did you? I just don't think it's that serious. I think she's just trying to, like,. Like, I feel like, like you said, she's just trying to, um, like, play it safe and not have anybody come for her. Like, she's not trying to be a Taylor Swift stan, but she's also not trying to, like, get the Swifties to come at her or Taylor Swift to come at her, honestly. Um, Yeah. And I was like, this poor girl is just, like, trying to live her life. I know. I know. She is. She's just trying to live her life. Taylor Swift is a competitor in her industry who is more popular than her. And so anytime Taylor Swift can be a part of the conversation, people want to bring it up. I mean, we're bringing it up. So So true. I guess we're part of the problem. We are the problem. But I just don't think it's that serious. I do think it's telling that Olivia never went to the heiress tour. Like there's definitely some sort of, no, I think there's something falling out that happened, but, but, um, we're not going to know what it is. And I don't think the grudge is necessarily about that. Yeah. Okay. We've got two more songs. Yes. Uh, Number 11. Pretty Isn't Pretty. What are your thoughts on this song? I think this song is so sad. Same. Like, every time I listen to this, it's just honestly so crazy to me because I, I think that Olivia really has, like, the Gen Z it girl look. I know. Like, she has the Hollywood it girl look. She's so pretty. And, um... So the fact that she feels this way is just so sad. So I think this song is relatable to a lot of girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and I like that it's sort of a commentary on society as a whole. Like, I'm, I'm just reading the lyrics here. You can win the battle, but you'll never win the war. You fix the things you hated, and you still feel so insecure. Mm-hmm. I think that is just i mean a good commentary on like the female experience as a whole and so i think this song plus lacy plus obsessed are kind of Mm. saying something about like the the female ideal Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know i i like this song i don't skip it i don't think i would listen to it outside the context of the album though agreed like i don't think it should be a single but um i like it a lot yeah i really like it i also like i think the lyrics are very relatable i think it's um i think a lot of artists female artists will sort of dabble in this conversation about societal expectations and like beauty standards yada yada Mm -hmm. but i don't think i i felt like this song is more pointed and poignant than all of those other songs are. I think those other songs kind of try and like skirt around and reference it versus this isn't this song is so direct um in what she's mm-hmm. talking about that I I think I just really appreciated that. And mm-hmm. I think like you said Olivia is stereotypical mainstream beautiful and I think she's aware of that because the song is pretty isn't pretty. Like she knows 
that she is pretty and she is this standard for other girls and yet she still is like okay I know I'm pretty but I also know that pretty isn't enough like there's this it's a never attainable goal um which Mm -hmm. I also appreciated like this idea of like sort of owning your own prettiness I guess but also being able to acknowledge that you don't feel that way um was kind of a a newer take for me yeah I was just gonna say I think you're right I think this song because it's not just about like the societal idea like she's direct directly referencing herself Mm -hmm. and acknowledging that she is pretty and yet she still doesn't feel like it's enough I I agree I think that's like a a fresh take. Anyway, I just repeated what you were saying. <laughs> what were you going to say? Uh, oh, I was going to say, similar to you, I don't listen to this outside of the album. This is not like a song that I'm like, oh, you oh, know what I want to mm-hmm. listen to? Pretty isn't pretty. Like, it's a downer. It's um, it's a downer. It's, it's not a bop, but it's a good song. And I think it serves a pretty good role or that maybe was poor English sometimes I say things on here and I'm like that wasn't a sentence um (laughs) but I think it serves a purpose that works on this album I think it especially works when we're transitioning into Teenage Dream which is the last song on the album yeah which I think is a fantastic closer for this album the first time I heard this and the album and like I figured out that this was the last one I was like Oh shit, this is so good. I think starting with All American mm-hmm. Bitch and finishing with Teenage Dream, obsessed. It's genius. Yeah. I agree. I love with Teenage Dream how she spun it around and said, I'm sorry that I couldn't be your Teenage Dream. That's not what I was expecting when I saw mm-hmm. that title. I thought we were going to get the same, like, I'm so sick of 17, where's my fucking Teenage Dream? I thought it was going to be her saying, like, you know, I never got my teenage dream or whatever. Mm-hmm. But instead, she points it at the audience. And I think that's so clever and a great way to end the album and also kind of end with this mission statement of, like, I'm not a teenager anymore. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, given how heavily this is marketed towards a teenage demographic. Um, also, like, this song, Teenage Dream, that's also the title of a very popular Katy Perry song and they couldn't be more different yes. which is interesting. Yes. So and I was curious if you had heard anything about that or if you had any thoughts yourself about that because first of all from a like a purely sort of logistical perspective I was shook that she was able to release a song called Teenage Dream when Katy Perry has her own Teenage Dream And that seems like something that there would be a copyright issue. So did she get permission to use it? That I don't there's an interesting conversation there for me. No idea. But then I was wondering, do you feel like she's referencing that song at all? I didn't see any references, but I'm also not deep, so No, I think I think the reference goes from is is it in Brutal where she says, I'm so sick of 17? Where's my fucking teenage dream? Yeah. I think she says that in Brutal. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. She says, says that in Brutal. I th- it's so, a back reference. So that's a reference to Katy Perry, I think, in Brutal. 
But now, later, I think she's just referencing herself. Interesting. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's like, it's really a uh, referenceception. <laughs> a reference within a reference. Because she's like referencing a previous reference that she made. I don't know. I think it's interesting. I I think it's it was a clever decision to, and a bold decision, to mm-hmm. name this song after one of the biggest hits of the 2010s. Well, and I think that's what... Uh, but I think she... That's the Katy Perry's entire album is called Teenage Dream. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, like, one of the biggest albums of mm-hmm. the 2010s. But, like, when I listen to this song, I don't think about Katy Perry at all. Like, there's no reference to that, really. I I just think it's I I don't know. I like how she spun it into this idea that Olivia herself is the is teenage like dream. society's teenage dream. Mhm. Yeah, and she doesn't feel like she lived up to it. Interesting. Which definitely ties back to other songs on this album like Pretty Isn't Pretty. Mm-hmm. Um or All American Bitch where she feels like there's an ideal and she she knows she can't meet it. Mm-hmm. And so she is apologizing for that. Well, also, it's also just like a sad song. They all say that it gets better, it gets better, but what if I don't? Mm-hmm. Like, that's sad. And I think that's uh, what makes this song so good, though, is that it builds. Like, it starts as a ballad and then it builds into this big headbanger in that bridge uh, where there's all these guitars. Um I think it's going to go off live. I hope it's the closer on the tour. I think it would go off. Yeah. No, I think it would go off too. It also makes me really curious about what um like what music she's going to produce in the future and like the way she's going to present mm-hmm. herself in the future. Um because there's something about the I mean it's the closing song obviously, but it also feels like her closing some kind of chapter and within yeah. herself. And I'm not totally sure what that in means for her. Um, but I, I am curious mm-hmm. because I feel like it, it signals that she wants to make a shift from what's being expected of her versus yeah. like what she actually wants to do. So I'm, I'm curious to see if we start to see any of something- that. Something interesting Abby told me is that she's been seeing theories on TikTok about how in Olivia's music videos, purple represents teenagerhood Mm. and red represents adulthood. And now I haven't really done a deep dive myself on this, but supposedly in a lot of Olivia's recent music videos, she starts out wearing purple or like with a lot of purple visuals and then it like slowly becomes more red throughout the video. And so people are thinking that like it was on purpose that the guts cover is purple, just like the sour cover Mm -hmm. Um, because the guts is just kind of a continuation of sour, but it seems like after this, maybe she's going to transition into something else. So I don't know if the next album cover is red, then might be on some, the fans are onto something interesting. I had no idea, but I do think like this album is still sort of about like teenagerhood and we had a lot of this discussion off mic, but basically off mic, I was telling Sam that I was a little bit frustrated with how much of the discourse surrounding this album was, hee hee, I'm a 25-year-old teenage girl listening to Guts. Mm-hmm. 
because I don't think that you have to like, I don't know. I, I feel like women are having, feeling like they have to say, I know that this album is meant for a younger audience and I'm going to listen to it anyway. And I just, I don't feel like you need to explain yourself or Mm -hmm. like say that you're a 25 year old teenage girl in order to listen to this album. You can just engage (laughs) this album, but it's like people really feel like this is an album made for teenagers. And I don't even, I, I don't really know what to say about that beyond that. I actually think a lot of people in their twenties are, resonating with this album yeah i agree wholeheartedly with everything you said um and we kind of talked about this before recording that we don't have anything super articulate to say about what that like really means um i'm wondering if it's just like she's trying to say something by marketing this as like a teenager album because sour was also a teenager album but it was a lot less polished mm-hmm. and so she's trying to like complete that story oh. and be like hey i'm still a teenager but look at this great work i made and now after this album she'll be ready to because like she's 20 she's not a teenager anymore. no no that is interesting i will say just really quick um on the purple red thing i believe Mm -hmm. i don't own the album so i could be incorrect but i believe obviously on the front the front cover is purple it's got olivia you know it says guts blah 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 blah. but her back cover Mm -hmm. where it has the track list is like a close-up of her mouth with red lipstick on Mm -hmm. and it's like her mouth open and so it's like very red on the back the colors are which i think is interesting that it starts like the front of the album is purple and the back is more red mm, that is interesting. i don't know if all of Wait, what does the back cover of sour look like uh sour it's like a it's still purple it's like a balloon yeah, yeah it's purple okay interesting yeah those tech talkers could be on something could be on something Olivia definitely loves an Easter egg the way that Taylor does. Yep. I think that's why there's a lot of overlap in the fandoms as well. Mm-hmm. So, definitely could be. I don't know. I'm interested to see, like, the the staying power of this album in, like, I guess general pop culture. Because Sour was just, like, such a big deal. Yes. It was everywhere for like three solid months and it was like all i was listening to for Mm -hmm. several months um and i don't know that this album is gonna be like i was gonna say i don't think so i mean it's still fresh it might take some time to like gain a bit more traction in the social media sphere on the radio play so Mm -hmm. there is still time but i do think that it just, to me, doesn't seem like it's become the level of cultural touchstone that Sour did. I could be wrong, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't know that it will stand the test of time in the same way that Sour has. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it will either. I mean, maybe it will because she's going on the Guts World Tour next year and it's like a whole year long. So I guess we'll see like how big of a deal that tour is. Um because, I don't know, it's going to a lot of places. Mm-hmm. But her Sour Tour, like, was not 
she's not like that great of a performer. She's still like th- just thinks so green. Yeah. That like having seen her live, she she sounds great and she has fun, but she doesn't have quite the ability to command a stage the way that some other artists do. So, well, I don't know if And I am curious because there's she has so many like speak songs like we talked about where you're sort of like mm-hmm. speaking the lyrics like, and i think those yeah. do not perform particularly well live unless you have like a lot of yes. showy things happening yes no that's very true because i remember actually when um when she performed uh deja vu with billy joel and mm-hmm. it was like some award show the clip kind of went viral on Twitter and people were like, oh, this is so bad. But it's because she's toxing. Like, I was the one who taught you Billy Joel, a different girl now, but there's nothing new. Like, that's not really like any vocal, having shown any vocal prowess. Mm-hmm. And she's like kind of out of breath because she's running around on stage. So, yeah, I don't, it'll be interesting to see how this album sounds live just because so much of it is that like kind of talk singing mm-hmm. thing and then she has a few songs where she has to also like like can she perform that can she perform vampire live over and over again like she has to sing her ass off yeah harry styles can't perform grape juice live because it's too high so i'm like is she gonna have to like change the melody is she gonna be straining her voice i don't know just thoughts i'm having i will be seated for the tour <laughs> I don't know that it'll have the type of like pop culture impact that like the Eras Tour and the Renaissance Tour mm-hmm. are having. Yeah, I I'm curious to see how she puts on a show and like what she decides to lean into versus not. Cuz some artists, you know, Taylor yeah. Swift, Beyoncé are both very much so like show performers. Like there's a lot of backup dancers, mm-hmm. there's a lot of lighting and special effects like that sort of thing. Versus um, other shows like Harry Styles, it's going to be much more just the artist performing live kind of thing. And I and I don't yeah. know which one she's yeah. going to lean into. Um, so I'll be curious to see. Yeah. Me too. Well, well that's that on that. That's our guts <laughs> review. Um, should we do like maybe a final little tier ranking like what are your like your top mm. top songs from the album are we okay let's see let's do like three tiers like the s tier like the best ones the mid tier and then like snooze tier okay okay um okay my snooze tier i feel like you're gonna hate me <laughs> it's gonna be lacy uh making the bed and logical that's my snooze tier okay um and then what i had to give like a mid tier yeah my mid tier is gonna be bad idea right the grudge and pretty isn't pretty and then my top tier oh i i don't have enough tears i'm gonna have songs left over um my top tier is all american bitch Teenage Dream, and oh, Vampire. I I Ballad of a Homeschool okay. Girl, Love is Embarrassing, and Get Him Back are like sub top tier. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you had four yeah. tiers. Okay. No, I like the four tiers. Also because there's 12 songs, so that's three for each one. Um, okay, mine is going to look pretty similar. I would say top three are for sure. All-American Bitch, Love is Embarrassing, Vampire are mine. Mm-hmm. And Oh, and Teenage Dream. I'm putting all of those in the top tier. Okay. And then I, my mid-tier would be Bad Idea Right, Get Him Back, Ballad of a Homeschooled Girl, Pretty Isn't Pretty. Mm-hmm. And then my bottom tier is The Grudge, Logical, and Lacey. I like Logical, but it's not. It's just not as good as yeah the, all the ones in my mid tier. Like I can't put that in the same tier as Pretty Isn't Pretty. It's just it's not. just not there. Not there. So yeah, there we go. I think. Um, I mean, she made a smart choice by making Vampire the lead single because it's one of the Agreed. best. And I hope that All American Bitch and Love is Embarrassing both get to be singles because I think they're both bangers. I don't know if society as a whole would, would get All uh, All American Bitch because when Jacob heard it, he was like, what does she mean when she says, like, I'm sexy and I'm kind, I'm pretty and when I cry? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's, like, making a juxtaposition. And I, like, had to explain the whole thing. And uh, he just, he didn't get it. But I think it slays. <laughs> I think it slays as well. I don't know if... Yeah. I am also always wonder... I don't know if this is true or not. But I wonder if artists ever pick their singles based on how easily they can sub out the, like, swear word. Because, like, what? You can't say all-American oh. bitch on the radio. <laughs> so, like... Yeah. Like, what are they going to call true. it? So then I'm like, mentally, I'm like, would, so would that mean that she would never release it as a single simply because it would be so challenging to have radio play? I don't know. I don't know if that's something people think about. I don't know. Or not. Yeah, no, I actually have no clue. I don't, I don't know how she would change that. So maybe it won't be and it'll just be for the fans. And that's fine, too. That's fine. It's also like a song where she screams. And like, I don't know if a screaming song would perform as well mm-hmm. on the radio. A lot of people don't like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's fun, personally, as a big stan of Happier Than Ever by Billie Eilish. I love a scream song. But yeah. All right. Well, there you go. You have our ranking, our initial kind of review of Guts. And we'll see. I'm sure there will be more to say as time goes on. Yeah. Olivia and her peers make more music. We will continue to talk about it. You have any final thoughts before we sign off? I do not. I enjoyed the conversation and I'm looking forward to listening to this album more in like springtime. Yes. And all I have to say is if you feel like you have to tell people that you're a 25 year old teenage girl because you're listening to this, you don't have to say that. Nope. You can stop saying that. It's okay. You can just engage with the music. No shame. And that's that on that. (laughs) Thanks for listening. To the Great Obsession podcast. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Goodreads, and email us. Just check our show notes uh, for that information and find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, follow us so that you don't miss any new episodes and give us a five star rating and review if you are feeling generous. And with that, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.